What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is with Devin Haney, the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. We talk about his recent fight in Australia, what it was like fighting in bars and pool halls in Mexico when he was younger, his approach to building an audience on social media, and much more. This was an awesome conversation with Devin, and I hope you enjoy it also. But before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've been wearing a Whoop for several years now, and it has made a massive difference in my life. It's the only tech product that I wear 24-7, so it's pretty cool to see people like Patrick Mahomes, Rory McIlroy, Michael Phelps, and Justin Bieber wearing one also. Whoop automatically measures your respiratory rate, oxygen level, resting heart rate, heart rate variability, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. Sure, it might sound complex, but Whoop interprets the data for you, so it's easy to digest and actionable. And now... Their 4.0 is officially back in stock and shipping in real time. But here's the best part. To celebrate that and Father's Day coming up, Whoop is offering 15% off and free shipping when you use code Joe at checkout. So go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com and enter Joe, J-O-E at checkout to save 15% and get free shipping. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is 8Sleep. 8sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot. But now, I am falling asleep in record time, faster than I have before, all thanks to my 8sleep Pod Pro cover. The Pod Pro cover by 8sleep is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. You can add the cover to any mattress. The temperature regulation will create the optimal sleeping environment by adjusting to each side of the bed based on personalized sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature. The results are proven to be true. 8sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get overall more restful sleep. And it's not just me who sleeps on an 8sleep. The product is so good that it's garnered the attention of CEOs, Olympians, UFC champions, and even the Mercedes F1 racing team. So go to 8sleep.com Joe, that's J-O-E, for exclusive Memorial Day savings through June 6. Cool down this summer with 8sleep, now shipping within the USA, UK, Canada, and Australia. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, let's get into this episode. All right, guys, I'm here with Devin Haney, who is 28-0, record as a professional boxer, 15 knockouts, just became the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, went over to Australia, won, came back, back in the United States now. Devin, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing nice, great. man. Thank you so much for your time. I know you got a lot going on, so I appreciate you coming on the show. Let's start with Australia, though. What was that experience like? You went in George's backyard, basically, in front of 50,000 fans at Marvel Stadium. You obviously won, we know at this point, but just talk me through what that experience was like. Yeah, um, the experience really wasn't that bad. I think I just went into it. Everyone was telling me so many, like, you know, just not to go, not to do it, or this and that, and that, you know, I went into it just so negative that when I got there, I was like, it's really not that bad. It's not as bad as I thought, actually. And I actually, I had a good time. I had fun. And we got the victory, more importantly. So uh, it, it all worked out. Why did they not want you to go? People, they seen the Pacquiao horn fight, and they just thought it was just a bad decision bad decision for me to go in, but I would get a bad decision on the scorecards. 
I knew that my team did the right thing to make sure that the judging was neutral and it all worked out. Yeah. So I would love to learn more about like the business aspect of some of this stuff, because I think, you know, everyone can watch the fight and decide for themselves who the better fighter is, who won, you know, all that kind of stuff in, in any boxing match. But the business behind this stuff is kind of fascinating, I think. And you've done some things that were probably outside of the norm relative to the traditional route. So maybe let's start with early on in your career. I know that you went pro earlier on than, than most people typically do. I think it was 17 years old. And you were actually doing fights in one point down in Mexico to try to get fights under your belt. Talk me through that experience. Yeah, I turned pro at 17. So I couldn't fight in the U.S. at that time. They wouldn't grant me, a, the California Commission wouldn't grant me a license to fight there. So I went to Mexico, built my record up, was fighting bars, like, pool halls, like a basketball gym with bleachers, like just different places like with like 100, 200 people that would be cheering against me. They would boo me. The same type of thing that they did when I fought in Australia. Of course, it was on a much larger scale, but I mean, when the whole building is against you, the whole building is against you. So it really is no difference. And I felt that on um, on Saturday here, Sunday there. And it was, it was just like, I was at home. I felt like it didn't feel any different. It didn't feel, it just felt like a And what was the thought process behind doing that route, right? Going pro at 17 and going down to Mexico. And I'm assuming these aren't glory fights at this point. You're not really winning much money. As you said, they're in kind of small places, whether it's bars, pools, stadium, or uh, arenas, whatever, versus the traditional route, which may be waiting or going to the Olympics or something like that. Yeah, I wanted to wait to go to the Olympics. But they had changed the age, so I would have had to wait a whole another four years. And so we just said, you know what, we're gonna start building our record up, and that's what we did. And I didn't, I was fighting for free for a majority of my career. Like I didn't really start getting paid until I fought on Showbox, and I was like my 19th fight or something like that. So I sacrificed. I seen the bigger picture, and uh, it all worked out. And how important is it to build up your record, right? Like this is something we see all the time, where the people at the top of the game they usually have kind of you know whether it's 20 and 0 or 25 and 0 or something like that. How does that work? Like, why do you guys go and do that? I mean, in my case, I was 17 years old, so I was still a young kid, you know, maturing mentally, physically. So, you know, we had to be careful on, you know, who I fought. I couldn't fight nobody too tough because I just didn't, I didn't have my grown man strength. I didn't have my grown man mind, you know, just to stay composed and did different things that way. So that's, that was our point of view of building our record and doing it that All way. All right, and then I want to hear about the promotion. Right. So when I talk about you've done a th things a little bit differently, this last fight, you switched promotions to top rank right before the fight. And you took, I believe some people yeah. have written about this and, and the numbers are public at this point around the deal that you ended up taking. Right. So you took less of a purse. You got less of a pay-per-view share. You obviously went to Australia and, and fought in his backyard. Just talk me through why you switched promotions and then why you actually accepted a deal like that. I just trusted in my skills, trusted in my talent. I believed in myself. And it didn't matter what they threw at me. I was going to take it because I knew that I could win. I knew that, you know, how good of a fighter I am and the skill set that I bring. So I just basically sacrificed, you know, I saw the bigger picture. It was more about legacy than just money. You know, I don't care about money. Money is going to come. And I understand that. But I wanted to belt. I wanted to be the man. I wanted to be number one. And yeah, that's what I that makes a lot of sense, right? If you're the champion at this point now, they obviously have the opportunity to do a rematch, but you have more leverage probably now than you did previously. Yeah, I mean, I got more leverage, you know, with, with any fight that I take because I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy with everything. If you want anything in a lightweight division, you got to go yeah, through me. Yeah, I love that. Talk me through training. What was training like for this fight? 
Yeah, training was a little bit different because the last two weeks I couldn't, I didn't have my dad there. My dad is obviously my coach. So uh, it was a little bit different. It was, I was getting acclimated with, you know, my new coaching and my team, you know, having to step up and, and you know, take my dad's place. So it was a little bit different, but it worked out well. The whole team stepped up and it, it made us bond closer. And then my dad came in and he took over. And I'm happy to that he was able to be there and he was able to accomplish it together. I love it. You're pretty good at this media stuff. You give like very short and pointed answers. It's, it seems like you have some practice. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's talk about YouTube. I know that you've spent some time on the content stuff, right? Is this on purpose? Like, what is the strategy there? Or is it just something that you see as fun? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's fun to me, like, you know, just to be able to, people to look closer in on my life and my training and the, the lead up before fights. And obviously it's some type of, you know, strategy that goes behind it because, you know, it makes people want to watch the fight, make people want to tune in. So it's a little bit of both, but I actually want to get more, you know, more into it. I know that I haven't been, you know, dropping enough content and people, they beg me to drop more videos, but you know, it's his work that comes with it as well. Is there anyone that you look up to when it comes to that kind of stuff, like in the boxing world today or previously that did that really well? No, really, no boxers really do like YouTube or, you know, do too much like that type of stuff. And that's why I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to get into it because I wanted to be the first boxer that actually like really like took over that field. It's a wide open lane for us boxers, but I don't know. Yeah, I like it. I also read that you're friends with Damian Lillard. What's going on with that? How'd that happen? Yeah, Damian Lillard, we're from the same place. He's from Oakland, I'm from Oakland. So he came to the fight to support me, and it was just dope to have him Oh, he there. came out to Australia? Yeah, he came to Australia. He came to Australia to, to support. So that was crazy for him to come. Nice. What's next? What's next? Is it a rematch? Is it a different yeah, fight? Like, what's what's on your mind? Yeah, I mean, I signed up for the rematch before the fight. It was a two-flight deal. You know, I was a win, and I would have to get my rematch. But uh, we got to sit down with the team next week. We're going to all sit down, and we're going to go over what's next. But... Of course, I'm down. I've always said this. I'm down to make the biggest fights happen. I'm not ducking or dodging nobody. Whoever it is, I'll be ready. They just throw any name at me, I'll take them. But it all got to make sense, too, at the same time. But I already signed up for a rematch. So we'll see if, if that comes to fruition. If not, then we'll see who's the next best guy. Are there more favorable terms financially for you on a deal like that? Like, does the split change relative to you've already won one match and now you're going to do a rematch? Yeah, see, that, that's what we got to see. Gotcha. see, you know, the numbers wise, what the numbers look like. And, you know, because things change when, you know, you win and you become undisputed. Now, you know, the ball is in my court and I have more leverage. So the number that I might agree on today, I might not want that number anymore. So I, I like we'll that. And I hear you on that. You got the leverage, which is a good place to be for sure. How do you feel about other guys using your name? You know what I mean? Like you see that in, in boxing a lot and other combat sports too. Like, they, they pick someone off at the top and they try to talk about them or badmouth them or, or, or use your name to basically give themselves an advantage. I don't take it too personal because I have done that, you know, on the come up, you know, trying to, you know, make the big fights happen. But if you're truly want the fight, then yeah, okay. But if you're just using my name just for clout or just to say it, then that's something different. When, when I was calling out guys, I was calling them because I genuinely wanted to fight them. Every time that my card has been pulled, I stepped up to the fight. I stepped up to the plate. These guys, when when their card gets pulled, then they come up with whatever excuse. You think more guys are are in your camp of that, or there's more that are doing it just for clout and whatnot? Definitely more for clout. Yeah, that's a new thing. Like call out the top guy, get him to respond, and now like you feel like you did something. Yeah. What's the craziest place you've ever fought before? You mentioned bars and pool halls and shit. I'm like, that sounds pretty wild. Yeah, it had to be fucking 
like out of those three, the pool hall was pretty bad. Like the dressing room was like fucking a closet. I don't know. The basketball gym with like bleachers. That was like pretty crazy too. Like it was like bleachers. They got like a real ring in there or no? Is it like a real thing or no? Yeah, it was a real ring. It was like an amateur fight. Yeah. Mexico was 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 pretty bad, but it made me to the fighter that I am today. They have rules down there? Yeah, no, they still they still have rules, but a little corrupt, but they still got rules. I feel like that's what I would be worried about, right? If you're trying to build your record, you obviously got to go other places to do it, but you always got to worry about the the corruptness of it too. That's what I would be scared of because, you know, just like they say, oh, Australia, watch out because you're going to get a bad decision. I was scared to have any close fights or get hit with anything big because you never know. They may just stop the fight because it's the local guy. You got hit with a good shot and now they're going to stop the fight. So I had to go in there and had Were to you just like knocking guys out left and right then? Yeah, I would try my best to knock them out. If not, I wouldn't get touched with anything. Gotcha. How do you think about the business side of all this stuff? Is that something you're into or is that something that you leave for other people course, to kind of handle? I mean, I mean, you got to be, you know, hands on with the business. You got to make sure that, you know, it's, everything is done right. Because if you're not, then you never know. It's, something might not be how you want it to be. So the business part is probably the most important part of, of boxing. Fighting is one part, but the business is, is where shit gets done. Yeah, the top guys, where do they make most of their money? Is it actually fighting? Like I know, you know, if you say Floyd Mayweather, right? Everyone sees the yeah, number yeah, that yeah. he's getting from fighting, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, in the ring is where you, where you make the money, where you cash in, but... Yeah. yeah, but you can make sponsorships and stuff too, right? Yeah, but boxing doesn't really get like the sponsorships like you would think. Not like a basketball player, a football player. Like boxing, we make, we make our money by fighting. We don't really like make our money outside the ring. Like gotcha. That. If you weren't boxing, what sport would you play? I don't know. I'm small. Like growing up, I was super good at football. Like I used to play football. I play basketball. I was all, I was all, I've always been an athlete. I, I always could run super fast, all that. But I'm small, so <laughs> I don't think I would be too good in football. I don't know, but I would, I'm sure I would be like buff, but I don't know. I think maybe track or something because I'm not tall. I wouldn't make it in basketball. I'm not big. I wouldn't How tall are you? Five, you're 5'9"? Five, 5'9", nine? Five, nine, yeah. Like yeah, you could be a point guard or something. <laughs> yeah, it would, just be a, it would be definitely be an uphill battle. All right, so you're 23 years old. Where does this go from here? You're already the champion. That's pretty young to be a champion, I would assume. What happens next? That's a good question that you asked me that because it's like, Undisputed is the biggest achievement in boxing. You know, it's like there's nothing more you can achieve unless you go to the next weight class and go for undisputed again. Nobody's ever done that. So we just got to see what's next. I want to continue to make history and want to continue to be the guy. So I don't know. We just got to see. But I don't know. Undisputed is hard to top that. It's very there's nothing that's bigger. What do you think about the state of boxing today? A lot of people talk about this stuff, like just the overall state of the sport. I think boxing is is like maybe the best it's ever been because look how many undisputed fights we're having, undisputed champions. Like they can say what they want to say, but the top guys are fighting the top guys. Maybe to as much as the world's liking, but you got to respect it because there's undisputed champions. That means that the best is fighting the best. And this is more undisputed champions than ever. So it's, it's yeah. good. What do you think about the trend of these celebrity boxing matches? I don't know. Well, what do you call them, right? Some people call them celebrity boxing. Some call them legitimate. Some call them clown shows. Like, what do you call them? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's good for boxing because it's bringing more eyeballs to boxing. But you don't, you don't think Jake Paul could beat you? I, I like Jake Paul. I, I, I like Jake Paul, Jake Paul a lot. You know, we're, we're really good friends. We communicate on a daily basis. 
And I respect what Jake Paul is doing. You know, he's actually committed to the sport. You know, you cannot knock that. I can see, like see if he was like disrespecting the sport. He wasn't training, but he was talking all this shit. But he's actually dedicated to, than a lot of boxers that I know. So is he training him. like every day? Because I see the stories, I see the the videos and stuff. He literally trains like a real fighter. So better than, than a lot of real fighters. So uh, he respects the sport. And, uh, I and at the end that. of the day, too, one of the things that I, I think a lot about also is he's trying to help a lot of people, too, right? Maybe not necessarily in boxing, but in the UFC, for sure, yes, right? Yes, No, he's, he's helping. He, he helped Serrano. Yeah. She made more money than she would have made without him. He's helping, like, girls and stuff like that. He's signing fighters. He's changing people's life in the sport of boxing. So, I mean, I understand why so many boxers don't like him. you, you got to respect what he's doing for the sport. A lot of these boxers, they get on and they don't help yeah. anybody. Well, I think people get jealous too, right? Because he gets attention and, and all of this stuff. But it's earned. Of course, but... That's it's earned too, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he made himself into a star and then he's, he's making himself into a boxing star. You got to respect it. I feel like at some point too, these kind of fights, you're obviously at a different level, right? There are different scopes and size of these fights. But at the end of the day, I feel like they're good for you also, right? Because it's getting more people maybe interested in the sport, fringe people or fringe audience that aren't necessarily going to watch all the boxing matches, but they may watch the big ones now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm following Jake Paul. I don't know, Logan Paul versus KSI, you know, a few years back, I say 2019 or something like that. So I understand that the marketing and everything that goes behind that and how you can capitalize off of it. And yeah. I did. The other thing I want to talk about too is your dad getting to Australia. I read that he got there like 15 hours before the fight. And, you know, obviously he's your yeah. trainer, he's in your corner and all that kind of stuff. What was that like? Did you think he was going to make it? Was that like really a last minute thing? Just talk me through that. It was a blessing. I definitely didn't think that he was going to make it, especially when he being that close. Like third fight week, I was, you know, optimistic. I was hoping that he would. As we got closer, it was looking like further and further out. Then they approved him and he was able to come in. So I thank God for it. I was, it was, it's a blessing for sure. Well, the flight from, I don't know where you live, but California to Australia is like 15 hours anyways, right? So... That's yeah. cutting it real close. Yeah. He got there the day before, like that night time. And then we fought the next day. So he got there just in time to take care of business. And then we left the next morning. Gotcha. What do you think about Ryan Garcia? <laughs> I mean, he's a good internet boxer. He makes great videos, great content. And that's what I think about. All right. But not a, uh, not someone you're going to fight right now. I mean, he's not going to fight anybody. So me fighting me is so far out. It's so so he's in the, the first camp, not necessarily the second camp of the people that we talked about earlier. Definitely. <laughs> he's the main one. He's yeah. the leader. Is he more focused on the content stuff than he is boxing? Or you think he's actually trying at boxing? He just isn't as good. No, I think I think that he's focused more on the content stuff and wanting to look like a boxer. And that's why he calls out the, the top guys, but he doesn't really want to fight the top guys. Gotcha. How many times do you fight a year normally? I, w I wish I could fight three, four times, but the way that the business works, it's just two times. Yeah, two times. And how long of a training camp you usually have leading up to each fight? I'm always training. I always stay in the gym. It's just something that I do. But a training camp is about yeah. eight weeks. And that's more focused on like the actual person that you're fighting, right? Yeah. And what do you do normally for that? I just don't know. I'm curious. Like, are you watching tape and stuff and you're, you're putting together a game plan? Yeah, we watch tape, put together a game plan, and we just train, train, eat, sleep, train, recover, train. We just pretty much just lock all the way in for those eight weeks. Just isolate ourselves and just focus on the... Yeah, and opponent. then say you go fight in Australia again or wherever, but your last fight was obviously in Australia. How far in advance do you usually arrive there? Two or okay. three weeks. Last night, it was three weeks. But it was supposed to be three weeks. But due to the situation with my dad, we got to like a little bit over two yeah. weeks. That's a long time though. Obviously, you got to get used to the time difference and stuff, but... 
That's, <laughs> that's a pretty long time. All right. Say we were to do this again in a year, what would happen between now and then? You would fight t- two more times, I assume. And, and I assume that you would still be the champion, but you tell me what you think. <laughs> I mean, maybe in about a year, I'll probably be at 140 probably be at the next weight class champion there still but you know trying to take over that division looking to take over that division and what's the thought process behind that moving up i've been at 135 since the amateur so for like six seven years it's just my body just can't keep making the weight even though i had a great training camp a great you know weight cut higher the nutritionist and everything my body just can't keep cutting weight to 135 so uh eventually yeah, what weight up. do you walk around at Probably like 155. Yeah. So you got to cut 20 pounds each fight. How's that? Yeah. That sucks. I mean, last training camp, it went great because I had hired a nutritionist who was strict on my diet and we we saw great results from it. But of course, I mean, making weight is never easy, yeah. never fun, no matter what weight class you're at. But, you know, we do. We How much of that is done like weeks leading up or like hours or days before the fight? No weeks. Yeah. I hate trying to cut a lot of pounds like yeah. quick. It just it doesn't work well for my body, so you know we trim down during those weeks. We 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 like to do a smooth land, and I hate to just come straight down because it just takes a toll on my body. But some it works for some people. Some people could could, could do that, but it just it yeah. Work for me. And you make weight, and then I I assume that you're immediately hydrating and eating and getting more weight back on you. Yeah, I mean after the weigh, we go right back up to what around we yeah, walk around. That's in. crazy, right? All right, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. Where can I send people to find out some of your content stuff? I think it's awesome that you do some of that stuff. So I'd keep it up. I think it's very smart that you are doing the content stuff along with actually boxing, right? Because at the end of the day, right, you want to have your own platform. And I think that you've realized that at a young age, which is which is very good. And you're going to see great results from that. But where can I send people to find some of your stuff online and find you online? Yeah, I mean, Instagram, Real Devin Haney, my YouTube, Real Devin Haney TV, Twitter, uh, Real Devin Haney. Love it, man. Thank you so much for doing this, and we'll have to do it again in a year. We'll see if some of those predictions are true, man. See you one year. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, Check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.